Welcome to church. I was sitting there thinking about, wouldn't it be cool as, if we were as excited about being here this morning if we were, as we will be tomorrow night as the Redskins play the Cowboys? <laughs> I'm not going to make any bold predictions. It's been a rough year. Uh, but, you know, I, I just thought, man, we'll, we'll be all wired up, excited, and, you know, here we are today to worship the Savior, the Creator of the universe, and the Savior, His Son, Jesus. Let's get a little bit excited and uh, Act like we're excited. No, act like it. Let's be excited to be here because in this world, we will have trouble. Just look at a few of the recent headlines. Woman beheaded in Oklahoma. Mystery virus causes paralysis. ISIS investigation, U.S. probe claims militants use chemical weapons. Losing the race against Ebola. Nelson County officials continue searching for missing teen Alexis Murphy. Student records teacher giving him oral sex in classroom. Gunshots fired at the Canada's parliament. Washington State High School gunman was homecoming prince. ISIS threatened to kill families of U.S. soldiers. California shooting spree suspected cop killer nabbed from after manhunt. Ebola panic hit schools, businesses, airlines across the U.S. And that article goes on to say that the Huffington Post reports that one person in the United States has died from Ebola. And the, that person so far has infected just two people, both healthcare workers tending to him in Dallas Hospital. I think there's one in New York now. And yet, a large, the article says that a large chunk of the country is fearful over the possibility of this disease spreading uncontrollably, which has resulted in the disruption of some basic societal functions. Flights have been delayed. Kids have been forced to stay home. Businesses are shuttering their doors. Travel agencies are revising their itineraries. Speeches have been canceled and conferences rearranged. The Huffington Post reviewed dozens of news articles from all 50 states to get a good sense of how prevalent Ebola panic is on the local level. And the article says the results show a country struggling to come to grips not just with a potentially deadly disease, but also the wave of fear and at times the paranoia it's inspired. Jesus said, in this world we will have trouble. We're beginning our new series today, In This World. And I hope that we'll discover at the end of this series how our relationship with Jesus can help us overcome the, the fear and the worry and the confusion and the chaos of this world. If you don't know this, and I'm sure you do, the media loves to create chaos, don't they? I mean, after all, chaos sells. And the more they can get us all worked up and all afraid and, and, uh, and create chaos, the more people will tune in to CNN and Fox News and ABC and NBC and CBS, and they'll make money off of the chaos. If we're not careful, this chaos, the chaos of these headlines will create a second epidemic, an epidemic of fear and panic. Now, in face of the media barrage of insanity and chaos today, I want to help give us perspective on the whole situation and to teach us how our relationship with Jesus can bring calm in the midst of chaos. First, a little respect, uh, uh, perspective. In America, one person has been killed by Ebola, two by ISIS, and four by intravirus. Virus. Now, these are horrible illnesses, and I'm not uh, trying to discount them. 
And so don't get me wrong here in these, uh, when I talk about this. With more than 4,000 deaths from the out, this outbreak in West Africa, I can only imagine the pain and suffering of those who have lost loved ones due to these terrible uh, illnesses and diseases. But did you know that last year, 31,000 Americans died by gun violence? And that 54,000 people in America died by the flu and pneumonia? And 575,000 Americans died with cancer? And 600,000 lost their life by heart disease? And yet, every day in the media, all we hear about is Ebola, intravirus, ISIS. Hopefully, this gives us a little clearer perspective on what we're dealing with. But now I want to switch gears. So how do we live above all this mayhem and, and, and live above the uh, chaos of this world? The insurance company, Allstate, has created a series of ads I'm sure you've seen with the guy with the strange kind of voice and the blank stare. Uh, that becomes mayhem, and, and uh, they have a good solution for the instances of mayhem that we find in our lives. Watch this. I may be an orthodontist, but I know a thing or two about... Perfect. I'm the kid in 5B who's making it rain in 4B. Protect your stuff with Allstate Renters Insurance. If you got cut rate insurance, it might not pay for all this. So get Allstate. That's H-O-R-S. Hey, hey. Mommy! Mommy, 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 mommy! 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 I'm a hot babe out jogging. I'm not making sure this stays a 10 when you drive by. You're checking out my awesome headband when... Oops. That's when you find out your cut rate insurance, it ain't paying for this. So get all state. Save cash and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Mayhem is everywhere. So get an Allstate agent. Are you in good hands? That's exactly why I don't jog. I don't want to create any more <laughs> chaos. But you know, it's true, though, that mayhem happens. And the theme of each ad is mayhem. And, and the punchline is that Allstate is going to be with you. You are in good hands with Allstate, some of you. I'm not, it's not a commercial, okay? Uh, these ads, though, uh, tell us that mayhem is going to happen, and they're powerful. These ads are a powerful exposure of our worldview, of how we view our world. You know, and with, all, and with all the emphasis that our culture puts on safety, you know, we, we got all the technology you can possibly have that's supposed to make us safer. We got the best fire, de fire departments in the, in the world. We, we've got security alarms. We've got, you know, all kinds of agencies that are looking in to make sure that we are safe. And, and, and really what that's done is that as we have gained a false sense of security in America, and therefore we forget the potential of having trouble in this world. 
I mean, we've, we've become isolated and we got this sense, this false sense of the fact that we are, uh, are, are safe and we forget that we're going to have trouble in this world. So today, I'd I just like to go just a little deeper to the root of why we so easily fall prey to the mayhem in our world and how our relationship with Jesus can help us rise above the chaos. After all, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus is saying, in this world, you don't have trouble, but take heart. In other words, be encouraged, be excited, because I have overcome the world. Now, as I, you know, prepare for a sermon series, and I, you know, I kind of uh, pray about, I don't kind of, I do, I pray about, think about, think, what, you know, what's going on? What do we need help? What is, God, what does our people need, you know? And, I, and one day, I'm thinking about it, and and it doesn't always happen, and I'm riding down the road or something, but in this world just kind of popped in my head. It's just like, in this world. And I thought, wow. And I began to think about that in this world. And I thought about that scripture, we will have trouble. And I started building on that. And in this world, we'll have trouble. We got Ebola. We got terrorism. We've got, uh, we've got uh, uh, predators. We've got uh, the, the new wave of sexuality. We've got all this stuff that's going on in our world, and I think, we you know that, and, and I talk to Gay, and, and then I talk with the creative team, and then we talk, and we think about it, and it all comes down, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about terrorism. We're going to talk about Ebola. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about predators, and then you come to my office on, I start on Wednesday mornings, usually working on a message, meetings on Monday, day off on Tuesday, Wednesday, and I get in my office, and then that's where the rubber meets the road, and I think, Ebola? How in the world am I going to preach on Ebola? You know, and, and so you start thinking about, praying about, thinking about it. You go in one direction, you go in this direction, you go in that direction. I thought, wow, I, I could talk about the, the disciples in the boat and Jesus falls asleep and the waves get up and there's a storm comes and Jesus comes, storm of chaos. I talk about that. I said, man, that just doesn't feel right. Go all the way back to the beginning of time. I say, wow, I could talk about the creation story and wow, all the, all the chaos of the creation story. Let there be light, boom, you know, let there be water, boom. And I mean, talk about the chaos and then you think, Think about the, the, the Red Sea parting and the, and the uh, Israelites going through on dry land. And then here comes all the Egyptians and, and they're swallowed up. And you think about the chaos. And then you got the chaos of the flood. Oh, I could talk about knowing the flood and the animals and the stuff that's all the floors and everywhere. And, I, you know, the animals got to be fed and, you know, and all that chaos. And then, wow, I think about, I could talk about the chaos that happened when Jesus was born in a stable, in a place he didn't have no, he had no room, had no place to be born, and all the chaos of that day. And then I thought, wow, I could talk about the chaos that happens when the fact is that Christ was crucified. Can you imagine the chaos of that day? And I thought, man, I could talk about that, I could talk about this, talk about that, because then I suddenly realized the Bible is a book of chaos, of, of, of God's people being in chaos, and God's ever presence in our lives. And then I settled in on walking on water. I don't remember how I got there. <laughs> but then I look at Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 33. And, and, and as I begin to look at that, I, I thought that that might suggest that there is also the chaos that we create. The chaos that we often 
create, and even the chaos that we seek out. Let's read this passage of Scripture together. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. Man, they had a crowd of people around them that day, and they were starting to press in, and there was political unrest and all that going on. And Jesus was saying to the disciples, you guys better pack up on the boat, and you get out of here, and I'll take care of the crowd. He said, and go ahead, they told him to go ahead and go on over to the other side. And so he stayed behind and dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, which indicates to me that Jesus prayed all night, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, ah, it's a ghost. And you'll learn more about that later, they said. And they cried out in fear. Anyway, when you read about that, study about that, they didn't just go, oh, it's a ghost. I mean, it says they cried out. They were terrified. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he saw the chaos, when he saw the trouble, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He was afraid when he saw the chaos. And, he, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this passage begins with Jesus going off by himself, realizing that, man, this has been a chaotic day, been a lot of miracles, been a lot of teaching, I'm tired, I'm wore out, all the chaos, and what does he do? He goes off by himself to pray. It seems that Jesus is looking for some peace with the Father because he realized with all the chaos of his, of his uh, presence, uh, it would allow him, it would allow the chaos of what, that he could handle the chaos of life. If he spent time with the Father, he could handle it without fear. And then at the end of the passage, we have the opposite picture of Peter attempting to walk on water. Now, on the surface, when you just look at that on the surface, you say, wow, Peter had great love for God. Wow, Peter was a brave man, you know, that he acted really brave, and it showed great courage and great faith. In our story, Jesus rising above the chaos of life, and Jesus, and, and, and a disciple that wants to live like Jesus. I know we can say whatever we want about Peter. He had a heart for God. He had a heart, and, and so he steps out the boat, and he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, if the story ended with Jesus and Peter walking back to the boat, arm in arm and hand in hand, in a moment of victory, celebrating, then I could do a message on how brave old Peter was. Or I could do a message of how God can, uh, you know, just rescue us or how much faith that Peter had. And I could have done it easily, done a message on that. But when he sinks, 
When Jesus sinks to the bottom, the story becomes not an an example to follow, but another awkward moment in the life of the disciples. I mean, the disciples, especially Peter, he was always finding himself in an awkward moment, an awkward place with Jesus. But before we go any further, it's important to understand what the water, what, what the water and the walking on the water represents. You see, as I was studying this passage this week, I became, a, became aware for the first time in all of my years and all of my classes that Jesus walking on the water and Peter walking on the water is not the only point of the story. There's something much more uh, that we need to learn from this story. I learned that large bodies of water like seas and oceans like the Sea of Galilee, in the ancient days, they were a symbol of chaos. That the water, uh, those large bodies of water were a symbol of chaos. It was believed that large bodies of water is where, where the place where monsters lurked. I mean, and you go back to the scripture and it said they were afraid that it was a ghost. That, oh, no, there's that monster that hides right under the water, right under the surface. He's here. Ah! It's true. Monsters are lurking just under. Well, I'm not going to be able to talk for three days. I'm not going to be able to cheer for the Redskins tomorrow. <clears throat> Don't worry about it. I, <laughs> I, they can win without me. It, it was believed that large bodies of waters where these monsters lurked in the deep. And the monsters were the ones that were responsible for the waves. They were the ones that were responsible, thank you, Kim, for the, for the water churning. The chaos, that the monsters were stirring up chaos and fear. And the lesson we learn is when Jesus walks on the water, he's not overcoming water. He's not doing something supernatural. He is overcoming the monsters of mayhem. And he's rising above the chaos. Now, he didn't resolve the chaos because as the story goes on, the chaos persists. Peter sinks. And and Jesus tells him that he has so little faith, that he has so little faith, and that's at the heart of the story. You see, that's our story. You see, Peter saw the wind, he saw the chaos, and, and, and the water was churning, and it was like a ghost. And Peter had little faith, and he sunk to the bottom. You see, because Jesus had prayed to the Father, he was already, he had already risen above the chaos. He had already taken care of that in prayer. You see, the, the water is a symbol that, that Peter had not spent time preparing for the chaos, and it kind of reminds me of you and I. I mean, since the beginning of time, Jesus has told us what these days would look like. I mean, all through the Bible, he's telling us that we are going to have trouble. And he goes out and he lays out all the trouble that we're going to experience. And he says, in the last days. And we as believers, we act shocked. Ah! Ebola. Oh, my gosh, terrorism. Oh, my goodness. Sexual predators. And Jesus said to us, in this world, we will have trouble. And we're not prepared as believers for the trouble because there's not much difference between how you and I handle our fears and our worries and our concerns than people who don't even know Jesus. 
And Peter was that. Peter was just like that. He wasn't prepared for the chaos. He could only go a little ways before he was overwhelmed. Before he was overwhelmed by all the chaos, the fear. You see, the fact that it was Peter's idea to walk on the water is the most important meaning of this passage that I think is the most important meaning. You see, let me explain what I'm trying to say after I get a drink of water, okay? Here's what I'm trying to say. You see, there is chaos that comes to us. You know, stuff happens in our life. I mean, all of a sudden we're living life, life's going well, and all of a sudden, bloop, we know we step in it. And it happens. Life happens to us. Chaos comes to us. And then there's the chaos that comes from our sin. And then and it comes from our sin, and, then it, and also the sin within, and then there's the chaos that we create because of that sin, and then there's the chaos that we sometimes go looking for. Peter said, Lord, tell me to come to you. He was looking for, he was looking for trouble. Another lesson we learn here is Matthew is warning us about the chaos that is in us. You see, the chaos of faithlessness and the chaos of sin, you see, there's the chaos in us that is not a physical storm that all state can handle. Or an Ebola outbreak made worse by the media. It's not that kind of chaos, but it's a spiritual chaos. You see, it's called the sin nature. And we're all born with a sin nature. All of us were born with a bent towards sin. And because of Adam and Eve and their failure in the garden, we, you and I, were all born to be sinners. We were born as sinners. It's called the sin nature. In essence, the sin nature is like a monster in our life. It's like a monster that, looks, that lurks inside of all of us, in our hearts, it's a monster that lurks there that creates chaos in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Paul explains this monster in Galatians chapter 5 when he says, when you follow, listen to the chaos in this verse, okay? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this monster, when you give in to its evil desires, when you follow the sinful nature, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all other sins like this. Is that not chaos? Doesn't that just sound like a mess of chaos to you? You can talk back to me. You say, yeah or no, okay? Okay, good. Thank you. So, so as a result of that chaos, as a result of that, we hate. As a result of that chaos, we deceive, we tear down, we abuse, and we become slaves to addictions. We have created that chaos in our lives. As a result of that monster that lurks within all of our lives. Therefore, the chaos in us touches lives everywhere we go. When I sin, Kim, it affects you. 
When I can't, when I sin, it affects my family. It affects Gay, Jody, Christian, Jason, all of my family, my grandkids. It creates chaos when I sin. It's not just me, but my chaos has, my sin has a ripple effect. And that chaos, because of that evil monster that lurks within me, everywhere I go, it creates chaos. And I got to say to you this morning, we should fear the chaos in us more than we, than we fear a virus. We should, we should fear the chaos, that monster in us, more than we fear a virus. You see, we need not fear Ebola or terrorism or predators that are stalking our children, but we better fear the chaos that lurks in our hearts. Jesus tells us that very thing. If you look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he says, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. In other words, Jesus said, Don't be afraid of Ebola. Don't be afraid of terrorism. Don't live in fear of sexual predators. He said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. We're all going to die. Every one of us. It's 100% certainty that we're going to die, that we're going to leave this earth. And Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot touch the soul, cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of that monster. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, we go around, oh, I'm scared of this Ebola. I got to put on my mask. I got, I'm not saying you do, but, you know, I got I to stop the flights from coming in. I can't go to Nigeria. Can't, you gotta, I got to watch out what I do. I can't go. Oh, terrorism. And Jesus said, why are you fearing that? Why are you fearing that? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, be encouraged, because I have overcome the world. I have overcome Ebola. I have overcome terrorism. I have overcome the confusion of sex, sexuality. I have overcome predators. I have overcome. But rather, you better be afraid. You better deal with the chaos within, because that's what's going to destroy us. That's going to destroy our bodies, our, our souls, our eternal destiny. You see, the, the irony here, of course, is that we are in some ways the greatest threat to ourselves, and you don't hear a word about that on CNN. You don't hear a word about that on Fox News. We hear silence, silences believers. You see, we're killing ourselves with our anger. We're killing ourselves with our selfish, selfishness. We're killing ourselves with our enviness. We're killing ourselves with our drunkenness. We're killing ourselves with sexual immorality and our lustful pleasures and our pettiness. Man, we're killing ourselves with our pettiness and our pride. And therefore, we live in fear. We live in fear of the trouble in this world which robs us of our peace during times like that we are facing. The point is, we can easily fall prey to the troubles of this world and fail to see the chaos that our own sin creates. You see, the story ends with Peter and Jesus in the boat and the disciples worshiping Jesus. 
I mean, it's a great scene. That could be a church right there. They could be in church. They were so excited. I mean, they had been in a storm. They had been in chaos. Ah, I see a ghost. I just see if y'all wait. And now they're in the safety of the boat. And the Bible says the wind was calmed down. And the storm was okay. And it settled down. And they had church. They had church right there in the boat. The Bible says, truly, they said, they said to Jesus, truly you are the son of God. You see, mayhem will still happen. All the disciples in the boat will, be, will eventually be killed. They were all killed for their faith, every one of them. Jesus didn't protect them from the trouble of this world. He didn't protect them. You know, following Jesus will not keep us safe from Ebola. It won't keep us safe from intervirus or terrorism or sexual predators. Because i got to tell you, when you choose to follow Jesus, it's not a safe path. It's not a safe path. If you don't believe it, ask those Christian martyrs who have been dying on crosses and have their head cut off because they believe in Jesus. If you think it's safe and you think Jesus is going to rescue you from all that, it ain't going to happen. You see, following Jesus will not keep us safe from the trouble and danger lurking in our world. But following Jesus will help us live and rise above the fear and the chaos of this world where we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear those that will kill the body. Folks, we need to fear that which is killing our soul and destroying us spiritually. That's what we need to fear. You see, Peter's failure of faith when the waves of chaos brought fear to him that's what Ebola, it brings fear, the chaos, all the news reports, it brings fear to us as well. You see, and Jesus bringing Peter into the boat, that's our story too. That, that, that's our story as well. You see, Jesus brought him, brought him to the boat and he calmed the storm. In the end, that's why we gather here today. I, I mean, I don't know why you came to church today. It'd be interesting. We could just take a few minutes, but... It's already 12.04, and I said, you know what? I prepared this sermon to be short, and I've got the longest-winded anyway. Um, now I lost my thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd like to talk about why we're here today. I mean, why do we come? I'll tell you why, why we, what we could be doing here today. We could be falling on our face and we could be worshiping Jesus because of his death and resurrection, you and I, we, you and I can have victory over the monster that lives within us that we don't have to fall prey to the chaos and fear of this world because Jesus says, take heart, little ones. I have overcome the world and I live in you. I live in you. And I died to give you power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, raised a dead man that had been in a grave three days, is the same power that lives in you and me. Praise the Lord. 
We don't have to give in to the fear of the world. And I got to tell you, when we stand with our hands folded in worship and we don't realize that we're here today because he truly is the Son of God and that is our reason for coming to church. Somebody will say, yeah, that's good. Anybody got that in you? Yay, that's good. Not because I said it, but I'm just thinking, doesn't that excite you? You see, we, we are here to celebrate the death and resurrection because we too can overcome the chaos within us so that we need not fear the trouble of this world. Why is that? Because, I'll tell you why. I don't even know if you want to know why, but I'll tell you why. Because the one who takes us by the hand and leads us to the promised land lives within us. And he said, fear not. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I take you by the hand and I lead you to the promised land. We may not survive Ebola. We may not survive terrorism. But I got to tell you, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. Woo, that's going to be a day when we all gather around the throne of grace and mercy and we bow down with all the angels and all those who have gone before us and we're going to bow down and we're going to say, thank you, Jesus, that you overcome the world. And I'll tell you, that's going to be a day when he takes me by the hand and he says, well done, good and faithful servant Enter in, and all the chaos of this world, and all the trouble of this world, won't matter one bit, because the one who takes me by the hand and leads me safely to the boat. So today I want to encourage you to look within does that chaos persist? What is the sin that creates chaos and mayhem in your life? You see, the enemy delights in bringing chaos and confusion to our lives. So if you lack peace, if you harbor sin in your heart, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the safety and the loving arms of our Savior. You see, crucify that monster that resides within us. And surrender to the one who has overcome the world and who lives above the chaos and then fall on your knees. I'm going to tell you, we have reason to fall on our knees, not to look at the worship team and stand there. But we have reason without music, without anything, we have reason to fall on our face and say, thank you, Jesus. You see... We fall on our knees and worship Jesus as the Son of God. And when we do that, you will find the peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter what's happening in our world, so get aboard. You see, in the midst of chaos in this world, God is still in control. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Truly, the one who was and is the Son of God is with us. Father, thank you today that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us. Father, I pray that, God, you will stir our, stir our hearts to just overwhelming praise and adoration for who you are and for what you did for us. When you took our place and you died on the cross and you rose again, Father, you overcame the world. You destroyed it, the 
evil that will destroy can destroy us and you gave us victory in Jesus' name. I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in our last final seconds together. Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here today who's not in the boat, now what I mean about not being in the boat is that you've not surrendered your life to Jesus as your Savior. You've not asked him to forgive you of your sins. See, if we want to be in the boat, we must confess our sins and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And the Bible says if we confess Jesus as Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, not from the troubles of the world, but we'll be saved. Our soul will be saved. And if you've never received Christ, I, I mean, guys, if you, even if you're just a casual reader of the Bible, of the Gospels, if you read nothing but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have to know, you don't have to be a, a person that knows prophecy to know that we're living in the last days. Goodness. I mean, I'm not going to predict it, believe me. I have no clue. But I know this. Billy Graham just said recently that this world, the United States, is worse off now than Sodom and Gomorrah. We're worse than they were. And we all know what God did with Sodom and Gomorrah. And I would just say to you today, without trying to put fear in you, because I don't do fear. I do fear, but I don't do fear. Is that if you're not in the boat, that today you would invite Jesus into your life. Because he's the one that gives us victory. He's the one that gives us victory over the monster that lurks within. And so I just invite you today to just, in your own way, in your own words, that you would just invite Jesus Christ into your life today. You would confess that you're a sinner. Jesus, I sinned. And ask him to forgive you. And invite him into your life to be your Savior. If you're here today and you're a Christian, and you've already prayed that prayer, but you don't have any victory in your life. You're still living in fear of this old world. And you know you're discouraged about the things that's happening all around you. And I know bad things happen, man. Marriages fall apart. Children go astray. We lose our house. We go bankrupt. We live lonely. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. And if you're, if you're not living in victory today, I just invite you to surrender to God today completely your life to him that you just surrender completely to him can we just stand and we're going to worship together if you if you receive christ today man you can't do this by yourself and and bobby or jason or someone's going to come up front with a little wristband they just want to talk with you a minute if you want to know about this relationship with jesus christ don't leave unless unless you talk to somebody okay 
And maybe if you're fighting that monster that lurks within you and you're fighting the chaos of this world and you have no peace, maybe today you just want to come up here and pray and surrender. You know, it's up to you, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. It's a great place to pray. And I'm sure Gay would love to pray for you. She comes and prays. She'd love to pray for you to have victory as we close out today. So let's worship him today. Let's worship him like we really believe that he has overcome the world and we don't need to fear that, which can, that person which can kill the body or that disease because we believe that our Savior has overcome the world. God bless you.